Welcome to the 5 o'clock show. It's time for common sense. Now, it's Cats and Cosby with John Katsimatidis and Rita Cosby, standing for truth, justice, and the American way, bringing common sense to the world. Now, here's John Katsimatidis and Rita Cosby. This is John Katsimatidis. We're here at 5 o'clock, and we have some show for you today, and we have a a load of people in the studio. We have a great, talented people. We have Richard Weinberg, who's the star of that new movie, uh, Gotham. How was the uh, Gotham movie? It's a great movie, notwithstanding the fact that I'm in it. And we have the greatest senator New York ever had. We have Alphonse D'Amato. Alphonse, and congratulations. You are the honoree tonight at the uh, Manhattan GOP Gala. Well, I'm looking forward to it, and I thank you for nominating me for that position. And by the way, can I get a chance to introduce somebody special? Absolutely. I want to introduce a common-sense Democrat, our former governor, David Patterson. David, it's so nice to be here with you. Thank you, Senator. But He's I sitting was... on your left. Well, he's a little bit to the left of where Alfonso was. <laughs> and, and Governor, welcome. Thank you. I uh, was at the event. I saw uh, the judge in the movies. I don't know why this uh, film came out after the Oscar nominations. I thought he could have I, I, in fact, was awarded a little Oscar. And um, I, 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 yeah, I, he only got a six-inch Oscar from uh, uh, Donna Soloway. That's right. Dame Donna Soloway gave me <laughs> a, a little six-inch six Oscar. <laughs> but it now graces my office upstairs. That's correct. But if you do, well, do you, you do the, the, what was the name of the movie? Gotham. Gotham. The Fall and Rise of New York. And it's on Prime uh, Amazon, Amazon Prime, Prime. Amazon and Prime. I understand, I saw it with you last night, it was one great movie, and in the studio with us too is the current chairman uh, of the GOP in New York, and former chairman for 10 years, uh, Ed Cox, Ed? Uh, it's great to be here, on my left is a governor, on my right <laughs> senator, I'm very privileged so to be in the middle. You're the guy in the middle, you're the guy in the middle. And we have, I understand, Vice President Pence is also uh, running around the building someplace, and we're going to have him on when he's on, when we have him. Boy, the uh, way, by, what a blockbuster day to have him, too, with all the stuff with Trump grand jury. I can't wait to ask him about that and so much more, John. Well, tell us, who, who do we have first? And then we have Vice President Pence coming in uh, uh, afterwards, and uh, we have, uh, we the, have Bob the mayor and the mayor of Miami who I understand may announce for to be uh, president when he when he grows up. Well, you know what? Because he is in Iowa. The talk about a crowded field. What an interesting day! Because Pence, there are rumors, of course, that he may throw his name in. Uh, then you got Suarez, and I have the governor of the governor of Iowa in Kim my Reynolds office. Was, Kim, Kim Reynolds, Reynolds was with us today a couple of hours ago. You, everybody comes through John Katz's place. That's the bottom line. It is the must stop. Place to visit. You have to go. Must to be on some you got, list. You got it. The top <laughs> list. It's, it's kind of like Rick's place in Casablanca. Everybody goes to everybody. And guess who's with us now? Now we've got. By the way, we've got Bob Costello because he of he course, made breaking news that other night with in, us with our show. I had to take it out with the pliers, but we got it out and great. You know, it was big news that night, and thank you, Bob Costello. Yep, Bob, uh, so glad to have you here. Everybody on Cats and Cosby, Bob Costello, of course, was the blockbuster witness that went before the Trump grand jury and presented, what was it, 321 emails, and they only had six. And you basically say Cohen is a liar, right, Bob? 
Are you there, Bob? We're getting Bob on the line. Hang on one second. We just said Bob. It looks like he fell off. I'm here. Oh, there you yeah, are, I'm Bob. Here. Good. Okay, good. I'm I thought here. maybe the grand jury was uh, was recording us and dropping you off. No, there. somebody <laughs> somebody cut off the line. Uh-oh. Yeah, I thought Bragg's on this one. Oh, no. Tell us, me, Bob, I, what the I, heck is going on? To, is is the uh, uh, is the Manhattan DA, uh, you know, trying to change things? I think the Manhattan DA is uh, pausing and reconsidering what their actions were going to be because of the presentation that I gave at the grand jury on Monday. Uh, I think I really stirred up those grand jurors because I presented. I told them I have 321 emails here. And yet the D.A. is only putting in six. He claimed because it was hearsay. Well, of course, if that's true, then the six that he put in would be hearsay. But I explained to him that uh, these records were made and maintained in the regular course of business. And it was the regular course of business to make and maintain those records, which means they're business records, which means in terms of evidence, it's an exception to the hearsay rule. So I told him right in front of the grand jury, your legal claim has no foundation. So I said, you should turn over the 321. These people in the grand jury are entitled to read every one of those messages back and forth between Michael Cohn and us and also between myself and my partner about Michael Cohn. And I could see at least six of the heads of the grand jury shaking their head up and down like, yes. And then I turned to the grand jurors and I held them in my hand and I said, and you people should demand this. And I said, I don't know why the district attorney is not showing this material to you. I sent this and five memos of contemporaneous meetings with Cohn at the Regency Hotel, our first meeting, which was the one I talked about a lot, because what he told us there was completely contrary to what he said on television. He was going to tell the grand jury. Michael Cohn is quite simply a witness that you cannot believe. He's a convicted perjurer. And if the grand jury gets to see the other 315 emails, he probably lied to us another 50 to 100 times where he contradicted himself. He would say one thing in one email and the opposite thing in another email. So I think if you're judging this guy's credibility, and he's the sole witness really in this case, uh, you have to see all the evidence. And I was pushing very hard for that and told the grand jury, you can't believe Michael Cohn. Bob, this is David Patterson. And, hey, uh, Governor, how are you? I'm good. How are you? Uh, good, thanks. Uh, we collaborated on something recently. Uh, we should be collaborating now. And that's really my question to you. The yeah. DA originally was not in favor of bringing this case. One of his employees writes a book and says he should. Then he kind of turns around and does take the case. I think it's quite possible that after your testimony that he would uh, pull mm-hmm. this case back and let it go. I sure hope so. That's the smart thing and the right thing and the just thing to do. And as you know, you and I have had business together. You know I'm a straight shooter. Uh, I don't pull any punches. I tell it like it is. And quite frankly, Michael, I said to, I think I use this euphemism. I said, Michael Cohn is not the horse you want to try and ride to the finish line. He (laughs) just doesn't have any credibility at all. Bob Bob Ed Cox here. You and I served together 50 years ago, briefly in the Southern District. (laughs) You're right. Absolutely. (laughs) You know, they they passed on the federal part of this case, didn't they? Not only did the U.S. Attorney's Office for the Southern District, after I presented the exact same material that I presented to the Manhattan DA's office, as well as to Trump's lawyer, uh, and I sat down with two assistants and two FBI agents for a couple of hours, 
they passed. They never did anything else with Michael Cohen again because they exercised good judgment. I hope that the Manhattan DA's office would look at that experience and say, we should follow in their shoes and not go forward with a frivolous case like this. In addition, remember the Federal Election Commission, the FEC, also passed on it. And I watched uh, Mr. Hannity last night, and he had either the commissioner or the general counsel of the FEC explaining why it's not a crime in any event. So I, I don't know between that, and I don't know whether you guys saw the letter that Steve Ryan. I saw that. That was blockbuster. Blockbuster. What was in the letter? That letter said, Michael, this is the lawyer acting on behalf of Michael Cohn, writes to the FEC, and he says this was his idea and his money. And the letter says, and I did not get reimbursed. And therefore, they say you should, you know, you should walk away from this. Well, when we spoke to him two months later in April, he said the same thing, except he said he was reimbursed later on. Counselor, um, another sir. Yes, sir. Gr- a great district attorney who served Manhattan for 16 years, Cy Vance and his team looked mm-hmm. at this and they decided. And Cy Vance is a Democrat, lifelong, right. and a great district attorney, beloved. Right. He passed on it. Now, exactly. I mean, isn't this incredible? The feds pass on it. Your predecessor passes on it. You initially pass on it. And now when something is promised to to you and who knows what it is, now you decide to bring these trumped up charges that really lie on on the mouth of a convicted felon, a felon who's convicted of lying. And that's all he does. That's incredible. And I want to tell you something. He should be bragged, should be removed from office. He's no damn good. Well, it's up to the governor of the state that has the ability to remove. She won't do anything. Diddly, uh, diddly. She won't do diddly. She won't do anything. She can't handle legislature, which is out of control, because that dumb jackass, she gave them all their raises, and then she says, "Would you give me a judge who everybody says is good?" The left wing says, "No." You know what, judge, Hochul? Judges. Wake up and stop trying to build apartment houses in little communities, you jackass. Uh, that's, that's the other problem now, we have, Senator. What now. if she pulls back? What if she? Pu- what if the DA pulls this back? If the DA pulls it back, it's over. And guess what? He does it only because he sees the handwriting on the wall. Let me ask out Bob Costello because he's still with us, everybody. Bob, sure. what do you think? Yep. Is there a chance that the DA may pull it back? What do you What do you think? I absolutely think there's a chance. When I saw that letter from Steve Ryan on behalf of Michael Cohn to the FEC last night, I sent a, a quick email to one of my partners and I said, game, set, match. Let's, yes. get, let's get that out to the media. Well, the media uh, I, has I, it. Well, I haven't heard it. Well, WABC, and, you don't listen well, to WABC enough. I think we got to get that out to the media, get it around, play it like crazy. And, and that should be the censure. That is incredible. Really. Well, I agree. Well, uh, Bob Costello, anything else you want to report? 
Well, that's it right now. We have to wait and see what uh, Mr. Bragg and his staff are going to do. Okay, we're going to take uh, a but, pause and uh, take a couple of deep breaths and hope that uh, Mr. Bragg uh, comes to his senses and doesn't do anything that's uh, not too smart. I agree. Thank you, Bob Costello. And uh, uh, did the vice president come in yet? Uh, He's going to be joining us in one or two minutes now, John. Uh, and we've got a blockbuster. He's going to be here. I can't wait to ask Tell him his about thoughts. about the rest of the show so everybody knows. And also, by the way, coming up, not only do we have the former vice president of the United States, we also have Doug Burns, great former federal prosecutor, Joe Tacopina, who is the attorney who is representing President Trump. He is coming up. Also on the show, we are going to have a blockbuster one. And also the mayor of Miami, Francisco Francis Suarez, I should say. We call him Francisco, too. But he lives, uh, of course, in Miami, but he is spending time in Iowa. So what does he have on deck? Everybody stay tuned. The former vice president of the United States. Let's take a break and we'll have the former vice president after we uh, take the break. A common sense recap of the day's biggest stories. It's John Katz and and Rita Cosby. Katz and Cosby on 77 WABC. And right now, oh, I, I see uh, Vice President Pence is coming into the studio right now. Make sure we place him on the right of uh, David Patterson, Governor Patterson. <laughs> and on, uh, and uh, well, thank you, Governor Pence. Rita, Governor Pence. And we are so fortunate to have here on Katz and Cosby, the 48th Vice President of the United States, former Vice President Mike Pence with us. So great to have you here. Oh, gosh, it's great to see you, Rita. Thank you. Thank you, John. It's great to be back in New York City. Well, it's good to see you in our studios, and it's good that you were once a radio person, so you know what studios look like and you know how to operate in them. (laughs) I spent uh, most of the 1990s on uh, talk radio in the state of Indiana. Not Nothing like WABC, but we were well, on a lot of little mom-and-pop radio stations all we, across the state. Every since day. we're talking about radio, I'm yeah. going to go off off script. Yeah. And uh, the electric vehicle companies are trying to take AM radios out of their – they're trying to take AM radios out of the cars. And it's, we were part of the FEMA. We were part of the National Defense System. Uh, in case of emergency, and uh, I think it's wrong to do that, take AM radios out of the cars. John, it's completely wrong, uh, and uh, and I, I have to tell you, for me, AM talk radio, which, which remember back in the 1980s, people were talking about shutting down AM radio, and then talk radio and WABC and elsewhere around the country all took off, and it's become a, a meeting place for the American people. It's where we come together, we get information, and uh, taking nothing away from FM, taking nothing away from satellite radio, but uh, making sure that uh, these new electric vehicles include FM and AM as well as all the other new technology, I think is a real priority for the free flow of information in America well, and maintaining an open debate across I this country. I agree with 100%, and we're going to challenge the electric vehicle companies on, on trying to take a, uh, Good for AM you. radios out, and uh, it's only common sense that we keep them. But yeah. there's so Good many things happening in the world. I don't know where you want to start. Do you want to start on the borders? I mean, the fentanyl is killing 100,000 Americans a year every 12 months, and nobody's doing anything about it. John, thanks for starting with fentanyl, because we all see on television every night the worst crisis on our border in history. Five million people allowed to come across our border in the first 
two years of the Biden administration after they ended construction of the wall. They effectively ended the Remain in Mexico policy that we negotiated in the Trump-Pence administration. And an avalanche of humanity has been coming into our country. But you put your finger on what, what too often is not talked about, and that is as the cartels are engaged in this unprecedented human trafficking across our southern border, they're also engaging in, in moving a narcotics, most especially fentanyl, into virtually every community in this country. It is claiming lives. I have to tell you, as I travel around the country and meet with law enforcement, there is no city or town in America that isn't battling back against fentanyl. And that makes literally every state, every community in America uh, it is a border state. It's a border community. They're all dealing with this. It's one of the reasons why we have to get back to the policies that we put into effect that reduced illegal immigration and asylum abuse by 90 percent, because then you have the ability to send resources and confront the flow of illegal drugs and, and other people that uh, are attempting to come into our country with dangerous intent. It, it's, it happens that Saudi Arabia hates our people in charge in Washington so much China is using their influence to uh, get Saudi Arabia to recognize Iran. I mean, what is going on here, uh, Mr. Vice President? I think you're witnessing a vacuum of leadership on the global stage, largely owing to the failed policies of the Biden administration. I mean, the fact that you now have – you had uh, President Xi in Moscow with Putin earlier this week. You you have China negotiating – relations and some sort of a normalization between Saudi Arabia and Iran is all evidence of a vacuum that's been created about the United States pulling back. I mean, we're sending mixed signals to our most cherished ally, Israel. And instead of building on the Abraham Accords, that were that was the first peace agreement in the wider Arab world with the state of Israel and Arab nations in 25 years. And for the first two years of the Biden administration, they wouldn't even use the term Abraham Accords, let alone build on it. That's what they should have been doing. But but literally, whether it be, you know, kowtowing to Iran, begging them to come back into the Iran nuclear deal, the disastrous withdrawal from Afghanistan, or the really the, the slow support of uh, of the Ukrainian military that continues to U.S. support continues to move too slowly today. It's a vacuum of American leadership. It's one of the reasons why we need strong, bold leader. We're the leader of the free world, and if America's not leading in the free world, the free world's not being led. Mr. Vice President, we do have a problem. I'm not sure we're going to make it to 2076 unless we have new leadership in our country. Because you saw what happened in Venezuela. In 20 short years, it went from the wealthiest country in South America to zero. Yeah, and we're sitting here watching it all, and it is chaotic. It feels rudderless. It, it, it is. And, and you talk about the – and it's the advent the, – the Democratic Party is just advancing socialist policies. But it's it, – it, and, I, and I just gave a speech at William and Lee this week, John and Rita – and in it, I was I, I got with a group of college kids because I want I want to speak plainly to young people in this country about the fact that we have a national debt the size of our nation's economy today, but left unchecked. If we're unwilling to provide compassionate and common sense reforms to entitlements in this country in the next thirty years, John, that thirty-two trillion dollars is going to swell to a hundred and fifty trillion dollars. 
and that's going to crush the American economy under an avalanche of debt, and we'll be faced with only bad choices of either doubling middle-income taxes or actually considering cutting programs for people that actually need them. It's one of the reasons why I'm calling. Uh, not, I mean, Joe Biden's policy is insolvency, but I'm calling on leaders all across our party to just let's roll our sleeves up, let's be honest with the American people about the debt crisis that we're facing. The only way out of it is growth, restoring the policies that we had in effect in the Trump-Pence years of less taxes, less regulation, more American energy. But then let's have a conversation about the need for common sense and compassionate reform for younger Americans of these entitlement programs and save our country from a crushing mountain range of debt. You know, we're talking about all these huge issues, Mr. Vice President. Everybody, we're talking to the former Vice President, Mike Pence, here on Cats and Cosby. Um, And I think about between the border, between Russia-Ukraine economy. Um, But it seems that Democrats are focused on Trump, 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 especially with the grand jury. What are your thoughts just about all of that? Well, I addressed that this weekend when the... the the word originally emerged of the possibility of, of of indicting a former president of the United States on uh, campaign finance charges seven years in the past. It, it clearly, it was from the very get-go, I said it was obviously politically charged. I think tens of millions of Americans have come to that conclusion. My My hope is that even the Manhattan DA will think better of it and not go forward. But, uh, but you know, i got to be honest with you. You're right, Rita, the way you put it. The media is preoccupied with this story. And it looks and, like and, the DA may, might be blinking because there was an, uh, uh, how do you say, an oh, crap moment a few times this week yeah, uh, when they Bob realized uh, with Bob Costello when uh, he testified in the, uh, in the grand jury. Yeah, that's right. And the grand jury... Uh, a few of them were scratching their heads. John, I, you know, I, I hope that's right. Look, I, we all know nobody's above the law, but nobody's beneath the law either. And when you have someone who, you had an AG in this state, now you have this Manhattan DA who campaigned on going after one particular American. Uh, that, doesn't, that doesn't sound like um, equal treatment before the law that every American expects and so look i i don't know the facts uh, around this case or the merits of it and not here to defend it but i'm I, i'm here to say my hope is since it has never happened before in american history that even the manhattan DA ulysses, will think- ulysses s grant while he was president was arrested for racing his horse around Washington. Well, right. that that would be. But well, thanks that, for that, John. By the way, that might have been more serious, that, right? But, but what I'm saying in this case, I truly do believe that the notion of bringing criminal charges against a former president based on campaign finance violations of seven years ago, it just seems to me it does not rise to the level. But, Rita, I love what you said. Bottom line, this is not what the American people are talking about. I've been traveling all over the country. The American people want us to deal with the challenges facing families with record inflation, the crisis at the border, uh, Russia on the move, all the challenges we face. That's where I'm going to stay focused in the months Mr. And Vice ahead. President, thank you so much for coming in today. And uh, we look forward to having more discussions with you because it seems like you have real common sense. Yeah, we, <laughs> we need more of that, and such an honor to see and you. And you're an Indiana you. person. That means you're from the Hoosier State. Yeah, you know all about that. My wife. <laughs> She's the best. Give her my best. Thank you so much. Thank you. An honor to have you here. Thank you both. 
Thank you, Mr. Vice President. And uh, the Vice President is now leaving. And uh, Rita, that was a, a great interview. Guys, uh, Mr. D'Amato, you, he sat on your right. You felt good. And, and, uh, and uh, Governor Patterson, he sat on your left. Oh, you're right. Where he was even further to the right. <laughs> oh, okay. And uh, on, we're coming back. We're going to take a break, and we're going to go to Lou Dobbs to see where the financial markets were. And when we come back, we have some great uh, uh, people. We have Doug Burns. Yep. What is Doug going to talk about? Yep, former federal prosecutor. Give us his take on the grand jury, why it and was paused. Mayor Suarez is supposed to be calling in, and he wants to run for, for president. We'll see what he has to say. And at the end, Joe Takapina. Yeah, of course, Trump's attorney to get the inside skinny. Boy, you, you stay tuned to WABC. You'll have the inside skinny. Let's take that break. commuting home with Katz and Cosby. Now, here's John Katz and Matidis and Rita Cosby on 77 WABC. That's her friend. And welcome back to Katz and Cosby. Big day again for a second day. The grand jury did not meet in the Trump case. And joining us here is former federal prosecutor Doug Burns. Doug, uh, what is your take real quick on why they delayed it? No, I think the case is unraveling, seriously. Um, I really do. I think the case is full of holes. You've heard all the experts explain. Statute of limitations, Michael Cohen being blown up by Mr. Costello. And I think, honestly, there's serious dissension in the uh, in the office about this case, and I think it's unraveling. Doug, it's uh, Judge Richard Weinberg. I agree with you. I think it's unraveling. So you're on the inside, in the DA's office. What would you be advising District Attorney Bragg to do at this point? I would advise them to walk away. You know, it's uh, it's an interesting old adage. When prosecutors are winning, quote unquote, in these media wars, you know, there's breathless coverage every minute. But when they're losing, you never hear from them. I've been in case after case in the Southern District, guys, where they're like, we're definitely making this case. Your client's going to plead guilty. And then crickets, I never hear another word and the case goes away. So I would advise, uh, advise Bragg to just walk away. Doug, Ed, Ed Cox here. I think you get the nail on the head with your first comment. Statue of limitations. Few people have noticed that. Two years for the, the state charge, and I misdemeanor. It's a misdemeanor on the misdemeanor. On the misdemeanor, it's two, right? On the felony, it's five years. So how how did they get by that? Well, thanks, Ed. I appreciate the kind words. Here's the thing. Um, it's so interesting. Because one expert told me, you know, statute of limitations may not be a defense to getting an indictment, which seems ridiculous. What prosecutor in their right mind would knowingly present a case that they know is outside the statute? But to your point, Ed, a judge is going to have to dismiss it. It's going to have to. Yeah. So (laughs) will there be a witness in the meantime, do you think, Doug? I mean, because there's been two days or do you think he's going to put it to a vote? Give us the process for everybody listening here. Well, here's the bombshell. Um, there may not be any more witnesses because Costello blew up Cohen. There is no rebutting that, seriously. One guy's a liar A to Z all day long. The other one's a credible attorney. Um, attorney-client privilege was waived. How ironic was it? He said, I never waived that. And then Costello holds up the document. So to your point, he may, they may not put it to a vote, believe it or not. And by, the, and by the way, just to point out, there's now evidence that Cohen may have purged himself before congressional hearings. So his... Uh, his turn may be up to be prosecuted on those perjury counts. So Bragg may have a lot of mud on his face after this is no, over. No question about it. But to to the panel's 
uh, points, and they're so good. Um, you know, it's time to maybe start thinking about saving face here. I mean, this case, I mean, you've heard experts bigger than me, Professor Dershowitz, weakest case he's ever seen after teaching criminal law at Harvard Law School for 60 years. That's a pretty big statement, guys. And Governor Patterson, you got a question. So Section 343 of the uh, Civil Practice Rules would allow the case to be thrown out without the grand jury voting, and I would suggest that uh, the DA look it over and consider that that would be the way to do it now. Could not agree more. Very well stated. Um, He would be crazy um, to put it to a vote. You know, there's another inside baseball thing going on. Too, you know, we don't know what they're instructing this jury. You know, maybe they're instructing them that the case isn't viable. I mean, I seriously doubt that, given everything that we're looking at from the outside looking in. But he'd be crazy to put it to a vote because I'm telling you right now, they vote to indict. He is in serious uh, hot water, Brig. This case is laughable, guys. It's laughable. One correction: I meant the CPLR. Sorry. Yeah. Criminal yeah. procedure law. <laughs> we'll take judicial we notice in that press. Criminal procedure law. No, I, I didn't want to criticize you on that one. <laughs> <laughs> never criticize a former governor. No. <laughs> Doug, we love you. Thank you very much. One of the best legal minds out there. And John, we got a big guest coming. Uh, we got another guest. I understand the control room is uh, signaling me that uh, uh, we have uh, Mayor Suarez on. Uh, Rita, would you bring in Mr. Mayor Suarez? And welcome back to Cats and Cosby. So much going on, especially with the border, also with the war by Russia against Ukraine. And joining us is someone, by the way, who was recently in Iowa. So much buzz about him is Mayor Francis Suarez, of course, the 43rd mayor of Miami. Uh, Mr. Mayor, it is so great to have you here on Cats and Cosby. Well, it's great to be with you both. Um, I always enjoy being uh, with, with uh, both of you and uh, talking about the most important issues that impact our country uh, that we both, that we all love. And, you know, you were in Iowa recently. There's a lot of buzz about you. You're doing an amazing job down there in Miami. Uh, what was that visit about? Well, you know, I'm president of the U.S. Conference of Mayors, so I'm president of all the, the mayors in America. And Iowa is an incredibly important uh, state. Um, you know, it is the first primary state uh, of the Republican primary. It used to be the first in both parties uh, until the Democrats changed change, which I think is a mistake, by the way. Um, and I, I, got a, I wanted to go there and feel it and see what it was about and listen to people. Um, you know, I think politicians are often going to places like that and just talking to them. And I wanted to listen. I remember my first campaign when I went door to door, 15,000 homes that I knocked on and just listen to people. Uh, and I think the second thing is that I wanted to offer them what was my vision for this country, which is based in part on what I call the Miami Miracle Story, where we keep taxes low, we keep people safe, and we lean into innovation. And we've created arguably the most prosperous city in the country and one of the most prosperous cities in the world where people around the world are taking notice of what's happening in Miami. So I have to ask you the question, are you running for president? That sounds like someone who's gearing up. You know, I, I've been saying pretty consistently that I'm, I'm strongly considering it. Um, it's, it's, you know, when I look at the landscape, the things that I look for are, uh, you know, is, is, you know, are the candidates uh, representing someone who's generational? Uh, is it someone that can appeal, for example, to Hispanics who are a growing population in this country? Is it someone with a track record of success? Is it someone with a clear, positive vision for the future? And, and, you know, I, and I, I find myself oftentimes searching for that person and not really finding them. So there's, there's, there's a part of me that feels 
a sense of obligation uh, to do the due diligence on the process. It's a, it's a very rigorous process. Um, obviously, running for president is, is, is the most intense gauntlet that any human being can subject themselves to. And I have, you know, a wife of 16 years and, and two little kids. So I'm very conscientious of how my decisions in my private life and in my public life impact them. So I, I'm, I'm, I'm considering it, um, and, and I'll, I'll have a decision you know, in the next few months. So that's not a no. I understand. Not a no. And uh, tell me, uh, Miami, Miami has become an international city. It's the capital of North and South America. Uh, tell me, how is Miami going? Well, you know, Financial Times named us the most, most important city in America. And what we tried to do is sort of metamorphosize from just being seen as the capital of Latin America to what I call the capital of capital or the epicenter of capital. We want to be the central aggregation point for capital and the central deployment point for capital because that's where that's, that's the point at which companies are created and scaled. Um, we know we live in a very decentralized world, so we know this is going to impact and benefit all of America. But we think it's important uh, being in the, in, in the center geographically of six mega markets, New York, uh, Illinois, California, South America, the Middle East, and Europe, and none of those markets are any closer to each other than we are. And so we've created a dynamic by implementing Republican principles of small government, of safety, and, uh, and of prosperity that have created incredible KPIs. You know, we lower taxes under my uh, watch, under my administration, to the lowest level in history, the lowest military rate, and we saw unprecedented growth, we grew 12%. Then we use those resources in a targeted fashion uh, to increase funding for police while other cities were defunding their police and supporting our police officers and giving them the technology they need to do their job. Um, and we saw last year, 2022, the lowest per capita homicide rate since 1964. So it was, um, you know, safer to be in Miami last year than any year prior to 1964, which is un- unheard of uh, across America. And then, uh, you know, we focused on creating a dynamic economy. We, we know that the world is changing rapidly. You know, I'm here in Iowa, as you said, and there's a tremendous amount of American manufacturing, which is incredibly critical and important to our supply chain and how we um, subsist as a country. But we also have to be conscientious of the fact that even on uh, things such as, uh, you know, feed distributors, they have microchips now, right, so that they can be programmed and so that they can uh, have a, a variety of speeds and distribution methods. So those microchips are being uh, produced in large, uh, to a large degree, in Taiwan. And if, if China takes Taiwan, um, you know this could impact our GDP by 10 to 14 percent in the negative. So we have to be very conscientious of of, of our supply chain, of creating prosperity through uh, implementing the American dream of, of supporting. Uh, people who who uh, create businesses and who want to scale companies and create high-paying jobs. Uh, we're not nation of wage growth, number one in tech job growth, number one in uh, direct foreign investment, and number one in pandemic recovery. Wow, 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 wow. And um, Mr. Mayor, I want to also ask you, and again, everybody, we're talking to Mayor Francis Suarez, uh, the great mayor there of Miami, who said he is considering it, maybe running for president, was there in Iowa um, you just recently came out with a really powerful story, a national review, um, making a distinction between authoritarianism and freedom. Uh, Ron DeSantis, the governor there, uh, came under a little bit of heat from people 
about basically saying, you know, it's a territorial dispute. Uh, where do you stand with all that? Explain about your story. It was really powerful. Well, first of all, thank you. And it, it stems from the fact that, um, you know, my parents were exiled from the country of birth to Cuba. Uh, my dad came when he was 12, my mother when she was seven. My, my grandfather was jailed by Castro. His brother died in a Cuban jail, and his other brother was jailed for many, many years. Um, we've seen the influence of communism and the destructive power of communism in our hemisphere and throughout the world. Um, and, and what we see is this sort of reinvigoration of an axis of evil between Russia and China. And, you know, it's it manifesting itself in not just the Ukrainian conflict, but also in the infiltration and the propagation of socialism in our hemisphere. Those are two massive problems. In the case of Ukraine, you know, we really should have never had to uh, help Ukraine because uh, Putin should have never invaded Ukraine. Part of the reason why Putin, I think, invaded Ukraine, it's my, my theory, is because he saw American weakness. And you project weakness uh, with the uh, hasty withdrawal and, and, and sort of catastrophic withdrawal in Afghanistan uh, with uh, an inability to deal with things in your own hemisphere, such as the July 11th protest um, in Cuba. Uh, when when there isn't a coherent foreign policy, when America's not projecting strength, and when the president is, is reaching 80 and, and, and world leaders doubt his resolve, bad things happen, right? Because you have a guy in Putin who's a megalomaniac who has a vision for what he thinks Russia should be, which is based in large part on a reunification of the USSR. And there's no better time. There's no better time for him uh, to do what he... Uh, what he's doing than yeah. uh, in a world where America is receding uh, and is weaker uh, in, in, yeah. in the eyes of, of him and she. So You're absolutely it's, it's correct. Scary, You're absolutely scary correct. Time. We're out of time. Well, thank you, uh, Mayor Suarez, uh, for coming on. It was good to see you in Miami with uh, uh, Chairman uh, Jamie Dimon uh, for the uh, J.P. Morgan uh, Summit. And also and, Paris Hilton was there. And right? Paris Hilton was there. <laughs> and and it was a great uh, two days with, uh, with uh, J.P. Morgan. Thank you so much for everything you do for Miami. And, and good luck to, you know, and, and to upper things. Thank you so much. Yeah, keep us posted. Thank you, guys. Thank we you. will. Take care. Wow, very interesting. And by the well, way, Rita, did you hear that on Iowa? Was calling, where was he calling in from? That phone connection he had was horrible. Yeah, maybe he was flying back from Iowa. And did you hear it? Maybe he was on a plane. Yeah, he might have been. He might have been because he was in transit. Yeah. But he just left Iowa recently, John. He said, I'm considering it. When I asked him, you heard just a second ago, are you running? So he sound, it may uh, be a very crowded well, field. Well, <laughs> let's take a break right now. When we come back. We have Joe Tacopina, and he's another Trump lawyer. And let's find out what the heck is going on. And uh, I'm interested to hear from Ed Cox and, and Alphonse D'Amato, the greatest senator we ever had, and the former governor, uh, David Patterson, and the judge, Richard Weinberg, star of that new movie, Gotham. And let's take that break. Talk Radio 77 WABC. It's a common-sense recap of the big stories. It's Cats and Cosby on 77 WABC. And welcome back to Cats and Cosby. Of course, another day that the Trump grand jury did not meet. So what the heck is going on? I know somebody who says that often. I think even the vice president said it before. Yeah, did you see? He's, he's canning your line. He's taking, You need credit for that. You should have gotten credit. Absolutely. And I get a nickel, t- a nickel every time somebody uses it. 
you'd be you'd be a, a triple billionaire then. Yeah. <laughs> and joining us now to talk about all of this is Joe Tacopina. He is President Trump's attorney who's in the thick of this whole thing. Uh, Joe, we are thrilled that you're here. Uh, really quick, uh, what do you think is happening? <laughs> I have no idea, guys. I mean, you know, I didn't get my Michael Cohen daily press briefing today outside the courthouse steps, so I really don't know what's going on, you know. Um, but but really, I mean, I, I have to believe, look, there could be, it could be as, as, as simple as logistical issues and scheduling issues, but I have to believe that something is going on inside the district attorney's office that's causing them to take a step back and say, hey, we, what are we doing here? I think enough people have come out on both sides of the fence, left side, right side, middle, you know, and have said, this is outrageous. This violates rule of law. This puts our country in a position where we're on par with, you know, the Soviet Union, China, Nazi Germany, where we take a person and we look for a crime. We do not do that in this country. I think it's even people who would not normally su- support anything that would benefit President Trump um, are coming out and, 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 and speaking out very ferociously against this. So I'm hopeful that something is happening to give them pause, not to mention in the last couple of days, we've annihilated their star. And I put stars in air bunnies. You can't see it. But star witness Michael Cohen with with, you know, former legal representation of his both. Uh, Bob Costello and uh, uh, a big law firm, McDermott, um, coming out and saying that he's lied. Uh, And and by the way, we just had him on the show, too. We just had uh, Bob Costello earlier, and he talked about all of that. Um, Everybody, we're talking to Trump's attorney, Joe Tacopina. Judge Weinberg, you got a question. Joe, as a defense counsel, you must be feeling pretty good right now about the way things are developing, even if there is an indictment of of this ham sandwich, as Judge Wachler used to describe it. You yeah, must be feeling yeah. very good that maybe, just maybe, you'll have no true bill vote by the uh, grand jury. And certainly you're in good shape for a trial if this goes to trial. What do you say? I, I, Your Honor, I, I say that's correct. Um, I, I, this is a case that we will win. Uh, you guys could save this tape. <laughs> we'll win, whether it's, you know, hopefully through the grand jury process where they say, hey, how can we bring a case that, by the way, even I just want to say this, guys, let's not forget this. Even if everything Michael Cohen is saying is true, which it's not, it's still no crime. This was a personal civil settlement from a matter that was a decade old at the time um, and, and, and had nothing to do with the campaign, had to do all with making a nuisance settlement, which happens every day in the city. I've done millions of them where you, you, you resolve a, a civil suit to prevent personal embarrassment to yourself and or your family. OK, happens all the time. That does not make a campaign finance crime. And, and more importantly, it was done with personal funds. And if the personal funds would have been expended or, or, or used irrespective of the campaign, it's not a campaign finance issue. Clearly here it would have been. So if everything he's saying is true, again, which it's not, it still wouldn't be a crime. That being said, they're basing a case on a guy who is a pathological liar, a convicted liar, um, now according to two separate law firms. Is, has lied to them, or according to his current testimony, he's lied to Congress. So he's this guy is in is in such bad way from a credibility standpoint that you can't. No prosecutor worth their salt would ever think about bringing a case on the word of Michael Cohen. As a matter of fact, Alvin Bragg said a few months ago he can't envision a world in which he would bring a case against Donald Trump based on the word of Michael Cohen. But somebody <laughs> obviously got we got a governor got Governor Patterson has a question for you, Joe Chacopina. Hey, Governor, how are you? I am good, Joe. Uh, how are you? I think that um, you really 
have it, we're basically restating what everybody knows, which is there just isn't enough evidence. And also part of what prosecutors look at at times and the public doesn't always like it is whether or not they can win the case at a trial. They can't win the case at a trial. There's if he just says, listen, this is why we have a grand jury process. We're very uh, thankful that um, Mr. Costello came in. We're very thankful that we got the information from the law firm. Yep. You got it, Governor. That's exactly right. That what the governor just said, guys, is exactly how this should play out. And it's, it's, you know, honestly, it's been one of the reasons I thought they had a grand jury in the first place because of all the pressure that's been brought down on Alan Bragg, especially after Pomerantz went out and revealed grand jury secrecy, a secret information from the grand jury in violation of New York State penal law, and he did all those things and and, and put more pressure on Alan Bragg, making it look like he was being soft on Trump, which is not good for his his constituents or more importantly his financiers. You know, he became pressured to do something. Well, the way to take that pressure off your shoulders is to say, look, I put the evidence before a grand jury and the grand jury voted no true bill. And there's nothing more I can do. And, and no one could ever, ever fault him for that. Um, and, and that's his way out here. That's the graceful way out. Because once that happens, no one could attack Alan Bragg anymore for saying you were too soft on Trump. And on the other hand, no one could attack Alan Bragg for saying you brought a case. That is unwinnable, that is going to divide this country, that is going to create horrific precedent. So, so, uh, so uh, by the way, Joe, uh, Alphonse Tomato is here. He's shaking his head. The (laughs) best senator New York ever had. Let me say this to you. Alphonse is there, too? Yeah. Oh, my God. We don't fool around like, here. We this, don't fool around. Guy, this is the I'm top so show. Every time I call in, this is like the world all-star panel. Every time I call in. <laughs> <laughs> Holy cow. These are my idols. You, Governor Patterson and I worked together on a matter once. He was amazing. Alphonse D'Amato was, like, you know, a god for the Italian-American community. And, wait, wait, wait. What about, about me and John? My life. What about me and John, Joe? Well, well, Rita, the other reason I'm on the show, you and John are the reason I'm calling in. These are all Let, let me give these you a like, quick. A quick and, observation. And well, I mean, quick observation. There is a crime. And the crime is the waste of taxpayers' money. And this guy, Alan Bragg, breaking every rule and every regulation that any self-respecting district attorney to bring this thing as far as he had. It's a crime to waste uh, the resources of the DA's office. But Christ says, go out and prosecute criminals, you stupid ass. Yeah. Instead of letting them run free. How do you That's feel the about crime. How do you feel about that, Senator? Uh, I, we really want to know how the Senator felt about that. Yeah, he needs to be more emotional. Uh, he runs hot and, he, he runs hot and cold. I want him to be specific. To misdemeanors. 50% of the felon violent crimes are reduced to misdemeanors in that office. Yet, some way, somehow, we're figuring out how to, how to charge Trump with a felony based on non-existent misdemeanors. It's, you got it's, it. it's, it's, we're living in the twilight zone here. Yeah. Well... We love you, Joe Tacopina. Uh, what a way to end it with the great Alphonse D'Amato with that question and that comment. Joe, Absolutely. we wish you so much luck. Keep us posted. And, John, I know we always end with something appropriate, John. Well, we, we believe in what? Truth, justice, justice and the American, American way. way. God bless America. Whoa. And Margot's here. Margot.